Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hey, everyone. This is Rosemary Coates in Silicon Valley. I'm your host for this edition of Women in Manufacturing. I'm the executive director of the Reshoring Institute, where we help companies bring back or expand their manufacturing in America. I also run a global supply chain consulting firm called Blue Silk Consulting, where we help clients with global supply chain projects and where I also do expert witness work. On these podcasts, we interview accomplished women in business and ask them to share their experiences with us and give us some insights regarding their career and how they're tied to the manufacturing industry. Today, I'm really excited. This one, I've been chasing Kathy Ma for a while. Really excited to introduce her to the audience. She is the VP of Platform Growth and Engagement at ThomasNet, and many of you have heard of ThomasNet, now called Geometry. Geometry bought ThomasNet recently. And as you'll soon see, she's quite amazing. So welcome, Kathy. Thank you for having me, Rosemary. So Kathy, tell us about your background and how you ended up in Thomas. I know you were in Hong Kong for a while. So if you can give us a little bit of background about your fascinating rise to Thomas, that would be great. Definitely. So I was born and raised in Hong Kong originally and fell into studying Wikipedia because as I was doing my sociology research degree, Wikipedia starting to thrive and became a global phenomenon. And I was very lucky that my thesis supervisor happened to be an expert on Wikipedia as early as 2004. So I was able to travel to meet all these knowledge creators, volunteers from around the world, first met them with in Munich and then uh, at Harvard, really kind of trying to understand the role of technology and data in knowledge creation, but more importantly, how trust can bond a a world of strangers together to to do something for good. And that underpins my passion throughout my 18 years career, where I believe that the use of data technology can help communities thrive. And so one really important aspect of my career then is I moved to London to pursue my additional studies in culture. And, and, And very fortunately, I felt like I fell into tech startup and digital audience development. So I worked across companies like Yahoo, Interbrand for branding, media organizations in the UK. And what's most interesting for me is I I met my husband about eight years, nine years ago and moved here to New York. And I think the day when Thomas called me and say that they are looking for an audience development expert, it changed my life because it brought me back to my root, Rosemary, because I actually grew up with a grandfather who opened a toy factory. At some point they employed over 3000 people. I heard, you know, I literally grew up running around a factory, you know, hearing people talking about plastic injection molding in Cantonese. And now it felt like I came back home. So my my whole goal at Thomas Sometry is really to use information research and knowledge to help all manufacturers, big or small, and tech company to thrive. Oh, that's fantastic. What what a background. That's amazing. So I can't imagine growing up in a toy factory also. <laughs> that must it is have been amazing. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so tell us a, a little history about Thomas. I know some people on this podcast that are old enough are going to remember Thomas as being the big green books that we went to to look up uh, potential suppliers. They were like yellow pages for manufacturers all across America. And you'd go there and look up, you know, somebody that made nuts and bolts or machinery or whatever. But today it's all electronic, right? So tell us a little bit yeah. more about ThomasNet and how it's developed into a, a digital platform over the last few years. Right. So founded in 1898, Thomas has been the leading resource for industrial sourcing. So about a few decades ago, the digital revolution happened and we went completely online for over a decade. So on our platform, thomasnet.com, everyone can use it for free. And there are over 560,000 Canadian and USA suppliers, where our team had been categorizing for over 124 years. So you, as you can imagine, we have one of the most thorough database and all of these suppliers, be it from alloy all the way to sink or machining processes, had been categorized across 76,000 industrial categories. So perhaps your audiences may be looking for a manufacturer in private label, uh, nutraceutical manufacturing, all the way to, you know, building their own new plant for EV, electric vehicle manufacturing. People come to Thomas often to source both direct and indirect materials and services, right? Like say, if you need to find people who can serve you with a new ERP system, you can even come to Thomas and search ERP and find all of that. We we had been having a lot of fun, Rosemary, I won't lie. So we grew to 1.5 million registered users. And once you're registered on a monthly basis, we send you a monthly email where we collect all the intelligence on, on the industry. And we make sure no matter how big your company is, as, as long as you're a free member of Thomas, we try to share all the intelligence, all the resources and data with you. And now being part of Sometry, and they are the world leader in on-demand manufacturing and the leading marketplace for supplies as well, it becomes really fun because we have all the kind of industry insights across the 76,000 categories, and they have artificial intelligence data-driven manufacturing kind of matchmaking. It, it becomes like this kind of really fantastic instinct and insight combo platform to help manufacturer get to their suppliers fast and in a reliable way. Well, it's, it's a fantastic service. We use it uh, very often. We have clients that are looking for specific types of products in the U.S. or, or services in the U.S., and we always go to Thomas first. It's just a great platform to try to find suppliers. But lately, you know, in the past couple of years, I'm fascinated with the kind of data that you're producing. I mean, you, you know, obviously because you have access to so many people searching on specific products and so much data and information and to gel that down into usable information for people doing research and so forth is fascinating. I mean, you produce so many great reports. Can, can you give us a couple of examples of the kind of research that you're doing now? Absolutely. Since the onset of the pandemic, we've been tracking the sentiment of the industries, mapping opportunities and challenges. I'm really pleased to see that over 6,000 industrial companies participated in our research over time. Everyone is like, 
really having this strong desire to help everyone else navigate a fast changing nest landscape. And I think the latest research we have based on Q4 2021 data shows that reshoring interest definitely had surged and is being sustained. So 61% of manufacturers indicated that they're likely to extremely likely going to reshore 61%. Now that's up from 21% in March, 2020. In addition, two out of three manufacturing companies plan to increase domestic manufacturing capacity. Rosemary, you're going to get very busy. They're all thinking about hiring more employees. Um, they are thinking about adding new domestic suppliers and as well as introducing new technologies. And when we ask about their interest in infrastructure investment, many of them are considering, you know, building additional warehousing as well as increasing, you know, total footprint of the manufacturing capacity as well. I was just going to say, well, you know, in the in the at the Reshoring Institute, we help all kinds of companies considering manufacturing in the U.S. And we have seen since the pandemic that a number of companies are first step that they're taking is to find U.S. manufacturers for their component parts. So a lot of mm-hmm. companies got stuck, not able to source or receive products from Asia in particular during the pandemic. And so now they're looking for U.S. suppliers. That is a very, very popular approach that um, they're coming. A lot of companies are coming to us to assist with. They don't have the capacity to do that research. So they come to us and ask us, where can they find these these U.S. suppliers? And of course, the first place we go is, is Thomas to have a look and see what's there. The statistics are fantastic also. Um, as you were saying, went from 21 to 61% of companies trying to research at this point. And that is certainly in alignment with what we're seeing as well. So go ahead, tell us about some more of the research. Yeah, so if you're interested to be the smartest person every Monday in your boardroom, um, we also have the Thomas Industry Update newsletter. I'll make sure I share the link with you so you can share with your audiences. It's a free newsletter where we track all the latest investments by states and by company and industry, and it goes straight to your inbox every morning. And talking about companies looking for made-in-the-USA-capable companies, right? Sometimes when you're sourcing manufacturers, you can look at the fact that their headquarter could be in the US, but you don't really know if the supply chain or the percentage of them are in the USA. So in in response to everyone telling us what they need in the industry, thomasnet.com actually launched into filter which is made in the USA as, as, as like a little picker that you can choose. Say when you come to thomasnet.com, you look for plastic injection molding. You can actually click a button and say made in the USA only so that you know the processes are self-declared by the manufacturers that they have capability to, to, to kind of function in the USA or bring raw materials during the USA. So I think that's a new feature that when I spoke to a lot of enterprise buyers, they are very relieved to hear that because that probably saved them many phone calls and going around the countries. And very occasionally, if you're looking for certain chemicals, for example, you may only see seven suppliers that have that capability, right? And, and it really saves you the time in calling the other 300 that may or may not have that capability. Yeah, and that's really important because companies now are looking at how do they label their products. So made in the USA has specific requirements under the Federal Trade Commission, and that includes where are the parts coming from, 
where are they being assembled or manufactured? So there are, you know, there's a whole bunch of different kinds of legal labels you can put on your product, whether it's made in the USA or assembled in the USA or made in the USA from globally sourced parts or all this kind of thing. So by clicking on that button on your site, you really cut the time and effort way down being able to evaluate exactly what manufacturers are manufacturing here. I mean, it's just a fantastic tool. It's just wonderful. There's one other statistic. So a, a couple of months ago, I know you did a survey of industrial buyers over the next 12 months and if they were going to increase their purchases of U.S. made parts, right? And I think most of the industrial buyers said that they would increase their buying in the U.S. by about 10%, something like that. But the more startling thing was you were able to translate that into how much that would affect the U.S. economy. And you published this report that said $443 billion would be injected into the U.S. economy if uh, the 10% number was achieved. So if buyers are buying more stuff in the U.S., it really fuels the economy here, which is just astonishing. It's just astonishing how, how that is going to happen and lead to an economic boom in America. Yeah, and the math is actually really direct and simple, right? Like at Thomas, we measure the average contract size of the people that source through our platform, which is North American leaning. As you already heard, all of our suppliers listed on Thomas are Canadian and USA suppliers, right? And 83% of surveyed manufacturers plan to add at least one US supplier. So we just look at the average value of new of, of a new supplier contract on Thomas is 921000 because it's a mix of, you know, not just contract manufacturing, but also large infrastructural sourcing, like telecommunication constructions, they tend to have higher contract value as well. And when you compute that probability, it, it can have a significant impact into our economy. Yes, it's it's very yeah. exciting. And we also hear, you know, people cannot hire fast enough. And everyone is talking about how we can nurture and create opportunities for the next generation of manufacturing leaders as well. So, you know, we can we can explore that a little bit too because mm-hmm. the, the labor shortage in the US is critical right now. So with using the technology that Thomas has, uh, really, you know, gives you an opportunity to, to reduce the amount of workers you need. So for example, if you've got a purchasing department Instead of, you know, hunting around for sources and spending all your time looking and developing sources, you can really cut that time significantly by using Thomas and identifying those sources immediately. Really, really great tool. Really amazing. I also wanted to to talk a little bit about uh, Canada because a lot of our clients are not only reshoring, but they're nearshoring with Canada mm-hmm. and Mexico. And I know your database includes Canadian suppliers. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. We work really closely with our Canadian team as well. And um, very often, I think when we 
book with um, like electronic manufacturers in Canada, for example, and automotive manufacturers, they have a very unique perspective about what are the gaps and opportunities in North American manufacturing. Say one expert I've spoken with, he has a European background and, and, and there are a lot of conversations around, okay, when we talk about reshoring or onshoring, there are a lot of models we can learn from when it comes to German manufacturing. And the fact that the culture of how people look at manufacturing is very different in Asia, Europe versus the US. I'll give you, and in Canada, I'll give you an example, right? Like growing up in Asia, like being an engineer is one of the best thing you can do as a Chinese kid to your parents. It's like on par with a doctor. And when you tell people you run a manufacturing company, people are always like really kind of proud and excited. Whereas I feel like when, when I spoke with industry professionals here, everyone agrees that maybe, maybe the perception of, of our industry, we have to transform that because it is no longer about people wearing overall and, you know, wielding. That's part of the, the bread and butter of what we do, of course. But you, did you know that we need programmer to program a CNC machine, just like we need a programmer coding for, you know, the Silicon Valley's big company? Like everything, everything, Rosemary, everything we use, everything we touch, has to be done through injection molding. And when you ask someone on the street, how is this made? No one can answer you. But we have the secret to really rethinking how we can create new technologies that can, A, bring in more diversity and attract young talent that love STEM programs. Number two, we are all concerned about building a better better world, right? The world is kind of disturbing in the last few years. There's just a lot of chaos, but everyone is now feeling like, okay, how do we renew our energy in our community? And how can we make the same thing with less waste, better technology? And I'm talking to different governmental organization research institutes. The concept of circular economy is something that more people are asking about when metal prices and raw material supplies have been hindered through international conflicts. I think all these really big challenges are bringing new opportunities because it's attracting people who want to make the world a better place. And I cannot think of a better industry than ours that has impact to everything we feel and touch every day for them. Yeah, absolutely. So so interesting to look at those kind of trends. And I, I think in, in parallel too, we're now seeing the development of some sort of quasi-industrial policy by the Biden administration to support certain industries. The first 100 days, of course, of the administration, they produced a supply chain vulnerability report and mm-hmm. came up with some categories of goods that where we are particularly vulnerable because we haven't produced those goods here in the U.S. So pharmaceuticals, for example, uh, the building blocks of antibiotics are were not have not developed been developed in the U.S. They were always overseas in China or India, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a problem for the U.S. Um, public. If we have another pandemic or something like that, we need to have those uh, that capability to produce pharmaceuticals here. And they also called out semiconductors, EV batteries, and rare earth mining. Mm-hmm. So all, all of those things are, are critical in being supported by 
uh, new policies to make sure that the health and well-being of Americans is protected in case of another disaster. And even now, so with the war in Ukraine, we're going to see shortages in some of those raw materials and products that are being manufactured in in either Russia or in the Ukraine or even in the surrounding countries. We're going to see disruptions in the supply chain going forward for sure. So, you know, having a a place to go like Thomas and, and to look for alternate suppliers is going to be absolutely critical. Absolutely critical. Thank you. To just quickly add one thing to what you're saying also, that our parent company, Sometry, we believe in democratizing manufacturing capacity for all. Whether or not you're a big company, you're a small company, you should have access to responsive supply chain, right? Like when, if you hit, hit a bottleneck, you don't have a gigantic procurement team, you should be able to just go to Sometry.com or pick up a phone call and have over 5,000 vetted network manufacturers at your disposal. And to that end, they also actually created the Sometry Impact Fund. So over the next five years, we are pledging 1% of our equity to create opportunities for underrepresented students to build a more sustainable future. So we're trying to attack you know, the, 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 the question of how can we make manufacturing stronger in North America from both ends, people, and capacity. So I'm quite excited about this partnership because I feel like we are now a bigger organization that believe in the same dream. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. That's fantastic. So on that note, what's next for Thomas and Geometry? Where where are you going next or what are some of the projects on your horizon? We would love to continue to support North American manufacturing through the use of data and technologies. When you come to Thomas, as you know, you can access over half a million manufacturers. But also, I think we are going to unlock a lot of new manufacturing capacity through Sometry's network. If you're a designer, if you're thinking about prototyping, you can just drop your design on Sometry.com and it immediately actually generate lead time and availability and let you choose what suppliers you want. I think if you look at our industrial landscape for the last, I'd say, five years, there are very few companies that are able to give you that real-time insights. Asia was leading the way, but I feel like now we're about to break that ceiling and and really unite um, a lot of small, medium, even you know, enterprise manufacturers to create that that community. And and as I said, we are very excited about creating more internship opportunities, bringing more diversity into manufacturing. So for anyone on this podcast who are interested in being part of our community, feel free to pop over to thomasnet.com, register for free so that you get our newsletter and we'll keep updating you with all the new initiatives that we are working on. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's part of our mission as well as we take interns and teach them about manufacturing. Over the last 20 years or so, there's been a dearth of education in manufacturing and most most, uh, students are now studying or have been studying marketing and finance and some of the softer sides and not the operations management. So we took it upon ourselves to take interns. We've had about 30 interns so far and to teach them about manufacturing and the world of design and development and hands-on real world making things. So uh, so we uh, definitely have a parallel path there. And so this is also International Women's Month. What uh, information or what kind of advice do you have for women that might be younger in their career or 
looking to make a change, what would you advise these young women about how to pursue their career opportunities? There are three big lessons I learned in life. Number one is do please listen to your instinct, be it about people, be it about your direction. I, as a very young kid, I felt like I love Hong Kong, but I felt like the world's bigger and I want to see it. And I always follow that instinct and really try my best to get scholarship, move to London, and I moved to the US. And every time I moved, I felt like I'm answering my true calling. I'm the happiest I've ever been. The second thing is work to your strength. This is this could be a controversial advice because you know people always say, Oh, Kathy, you like so many shiny things. You like running parallel track, learn how to focus, right? And as a kid, teachers would say, Kathy, you would be a great you know, student if you can focus. Actually, I learned that my ability to have that peripheral vision and to learn from expert and, and my extroversion and talking to you, Rosemary, learning all the great things you're working. My strength is actually connecting the dots. And I don't have to be the expert on everything, but I just have to have the humility to talk to all the experts, be you about reshoring or, you know, additive manufacturing. So I talked to our expert, Paul Paulson, like um, Greg Paulson at Summitry. I'm a connector and that's my strength. So I learned to not listen to understand your weaknesses for sure, but also play to your strength. And the final tip I have, and that's extremely important in this day and age is always measure and articulate your impact. Because if you don't advocate for yourself, no one can advocate for you. And it's also really important instead of just, you know, going about saying, oh, I'm so great. No one is interested in us. This is what I learned in life. No one's interested in you. Everyone is more concerned about themselves, right? But when you bring things onto the more objective level and understand what everyone's motivation is, and you come up with a framework in measuring everything, you can unite people. And you can actually focus on what you can do. Opinions are very, it's cheap. Everyone has opinions, right? But who can actually work together to start moving important numbers forward can can really thrive in 2022 and beyond. That's fantastic advice. And uh, I have to tell you, I, I can't remember how many annual reviews or feedback from school where someone told me you have to focus. Really? <laughs> I can't I can't help myself either. I'm interested in so many things. I can't I can't seem to just settle down and do one thing over and over again. I think I'd be really bored. So I'm I'm with you there. I can certainly relate to that. And one thing that I would add to your list of of women is to tell uh people, whether it's young women or mid-career women or men or anyone is to try to learn something every day. I think that's really important. So I always try to read one article or find one fact or understand something different every single day. And that's that's part of that, you know, <laughs> can't focus thing because I'm interested in so many different topics. But I think it's important to broaden your global perspective by trying to learn something all the time. So really important. Kathy, it's been a delight. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's really great. Can you give us your contact information and the website that you mentioned before also in case anyone's interested? Great. If you pop over to thomasnet.com, 
and register for free on the top right hand corner, you will see a sign up button. I'll be in touch because you get a welcome series from me with five part lessons in teaching you all the tricks and tips on how to use thomasnet.com effectively for your sourcing journey. And my email is cma at thomasnet.com. So, or you can find me on LinkedIn as well. I'm Kathy Ma, so with a C, and then my last name is M-A, Kathy Ma. And I'd love to hear from you. Terrific. Thank you so much. And you can listen to more podcasts on the Women in Manufacturing website at www.womenandmfg.com. And you can reach me, Rosemary Coates, at R Coates, R-C-O-A-T-E-S, at reshoringinstitute.org, where we post all of our information, research and other information, surveys, studies on manufacturing in America. Thanks, everyone, and have a great day. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.